morning, everybody. Good to see you all. Everybody get a worksheet. We got worksheets this morning. My goodness, look at Billy in that yellow tie. That looks good, brother. Sharp. <laughs> Did Judy dress you? Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> he says, I, I can't believe I was getting a compliment, and then sure enough, there it went. <laughs> What's that? I'm going to get cold? Oh, oh, cold for Christmas. I was going to say, no, not in this jacket. I'm not going to get cold. Cold. Well, I'll just get me a Ben Franklin stove, and then I'll have a use for it. So. We're studying John's Gospel. Welcome to everybody who's here. Anybody watching online, welcome to you as well. Where's the camera? Is that the camera? Oh, there's the camera. Hi, everybody. Good to see you. Well, good to see the camera. Uh, I'm glad you're joining us this morning. We are in chapters 15 and 16. And I, I want to make somewhat of an apology. The last couple of sessions, we didn't quite make it through the worksheet. So what that means is if we get to the end of the class and we finished everything up like we always do, then we'll know where to go back. So we never finish everything, do we? Anyway, let's get started on this worksheet and we will uh, see where it takes us. All right, chapter 15, 1 through 17. This is course this part of John I'm looking at I've numbered it section 8 because of how it falls I thought about just skipping to section 9 because if you've been in the military you know what a section 8 is and it's not a good thing so but I just threw it in there thinking we're crazy anyway so all right John chapter 1 9 through 10 going all the way back to the first chapter John there identified Jesus as the true light this is John 1, what I'm making reference to. And then in John 6, 30 to 35, Jesus reveals himself as the true bread. So the first blank is light. Second blank is bread. Jesus is the true light. Jesus is the true bread. Here in chapter 15, Jesus calls himself the true vine and says blank is the vine dresser. God, his father. So my father's the vine dresser. His father's God. He's God. He has the quality of God, but he's not the father. He's the son. Still God. Vines that bear no fruit are blank blanked. Taken away. You take away the vines that bear no fruit. But those that do bear fruit are blanked. They are pruned so that they may bear even more. Apart from the vine, we can do, put nothing in that blank. <clears throat> Does that make sense? Put nothing in the blank. <clears throat> Apart from Christ, we can do nothing. Apart from the vine, we can do nothing. Those who are not able, uh, who do not abide in the vine, are gathered up to be burned. So earlier it said they're taken away. They don't bear fruit, they're taken away. This is why they're taken away. They're taken away because they're going to be burned. He's using the, the same pattern that you would use with a literal physical vine, a grapevine. People knew about grapes and they knew about vineyards and they knew about what to do to, to make a vine flourish 
And if it wasn't flourishing, you cut those branches off and you burn them. And the ones that were flourishing, you'd prune them back so they would grow some more. They knew how to do these things, and that's what Jesus is using to make this teaching. Bearing fruit is how it is proven that one is a blank of Jesus. A disciple. What is a disciple? We use that word, we hear it. We use it because we hear it, but what is a disciple? It's one who is a follower who is also a student. You're not just following somebody, but you're learning from them. You're learning how to be like them. That's what a disciple is. To abide in his love, we must blank his blank. Keep his commandments. If you put message, I'm I'm good with that. Whatever he says, that's his message, and that's what we keep. Just as he has blank those of his blank. Kept those of his father. I know this is kind of, the, the blanks are kind of, well, what's that all about? But I'm, I'm trying to make a point here. Because you go back in chapter 14. What's the last verse of verse four, chapter 14 say? You look at chapter 14, verse 31. Jesus has taught his apostles, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. Three times he said it to him in chapter 14. And then he says, that the world might know that I love the Father. I do what? I do what he said. I keep his commandments. So Jesus is not putting anything on us that he's not putting on himself. I keep my Father's commandments, and that's how I show I love my Father. Isn't that interesting? So I'm giving you commandments. How do you show me that you love me? You do what I say. Everything you gave us is from the Father. And what the Holy Spirit, what he's teaching them about the Holy Spirit, is that when the Holy Spirit gives them something, it doesn't come from the Holy Spirit. Who's it come from? It comes from him. It comes from Jesus. So <clears throat> everything the apostles were given... To show to the world throughout the letters that they wrote. Peter wrote a couple of letters. John wrote three letters after this. Paul wrote a bunch of letters. All of that information is from Jesus through the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus' new covenant. His new testament. All of it. None of it originated with the apostles. None of it even originated simply with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was the means by which... The teachings of Jesus, the commands of Jesus, the will of Jesus was given to the apostles. They wrote it down, and now we have it in print. And we can read it, and we can do it. That's why Paul would say in Romans, faith comes by hearing, and that by the word of Christ. So we read the words that they put down that are, in fact, the words of Christ, the teachings of Christ, and we we grow in our faith. All right, I kind of messed up this last portion. Uh, Sometimes all you have to do is leave out one word, and it really goofs things up. But this is the way it's supposed to go. Jesus tells us this, and it's supposed to be not to threaten us, not to threaten. And then in the blank, what would you put? I would put punishment or judgment. He's not threatening punishment. He's not threatening judgment. He's not telling these things simply to threaten us. 
but so that his blank may be <clears throat> in blank. His, so that his joy may be in, and you could put them, but really it's them and it's us. We do the will of Jesus as he says, so that his joy might be in us. It's just like when we train our children. We know that if our children behave the way we teach them to behave, their lives are going to be better, happier, more fulfilled, more peaceful. If we're teaching them as parents the things we ought to teach them as parents, it's going to turn out to their good, and that's what Jesus is doing, and he does it a whole lot better than we can as parents. And he says, I'm, I'm telling you these things. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I'm t- teaching you these things so that your joy can be, and then what's the last blank? Full. Full joy. Not some halfway little joy. Well, it's kind of nice. No, it's the best. There isn't anything better. You can't follow anyone. You can't be a disciple of anyone or anything that will give you the fullness of joy that following Jesus will give you. Forgot about a cough drop. That's what the text is saying without saying it so... Is that succinct? You want real joy, follow Jesus. That's, that's the bottom line. All right, reiterating what he said in 13, 34 to 35. They are told to blank one another, love one another as blank loved them, as he loved them. That's the example. The way I've loved you, you love one another that same way. It's not like, oh, it's all done now. I've died for him and I've been resurrected. No, he is now our high priest. He serves, he reigns in heaven. And one of the things we depend on is his constant care. We'll talk about that a little more in the sermon, Lord willing. He's still our savior. He is still our, he makes himself, if you will, our servant. That's what he taught us. The greatest among you shall be your servant. And so he, as the absolute greatest, is our absolute greatest servant. Not that he is subservient, but he is servant to us in the same way we as parents are servant to our children. Oh, thank you, sir. What what do we not do for our children as parents? Probably none of you have ever changed a dirty diaper, have you? How many dirty diapers? That's the question. How many dirty diapers have you changed? And now that I'm a grandparent, I know you're going to think I'm nuts. I think it's fun. Oh, their diaper's dirty. Let me change them. 
Because it's just like the old days. I remember doing this when we had our kids the first time. And we didn't start out with these nice kind of diapers. So it's special to serve. Feed the baby. That baby needs a bottle? Let me have that baby. Because to us, is it service? To them, it's service. What's it to us? It's a joy. That's why it says in Hebrews chapter 12, for the joy set before him, what did Jesus do? He endured the cross, despising the shame. He knew that what he was doing was for us, and his love for us is so great that he saw that as something worthy of suffering all that. So yeah, his, his job was not done when he rose from the grave. <clears throat> his job was in many ways just beginning. All right. Have we finished that one? We haven't. And that the greatest love is to lay down your life for one another. This point is pressed home again in 1517 where he blanks them to love one another. He commands them. I'm commanding you. Love one another. I had a friend in Germany. We used to tease each other back and forth. I only love you because Jesus said I had to. <clears throat> there we go. All right, 15, 18 to 27. Though it may seem an odd way to reassure the apostles, Jesus said that if the world blanked them, hated them or hates them, that it hated him first. So you're my disciples. They hate me. Sure, they're going to hate you. If they were of the world, however, the world would blank them, love them. Further, he said, if the world blanked him, persecuted. You have to get down in the text a little bit and, and read a little bit. This is I'm taking in a lot of text here. If the world persecuted him, it will do the same to them because the blank is not above his blank. Servant is not above his master. If you're following me and they're persecuting me, you got to know they're going to persecute you too. The servant is not above his master. If I get it, you get it. Jesus made it clear that the persecution will come for blank, blank, blank. This one's a little different, a little odd, but it's in the text. You'll see it. His name's sake. The persecution will come for his name's sake. Imagine suffering difficulty in this world for his name's sake and then going before the throne of God. Hey, you suffered for my son. I sent him down there. A lot of people didn't believe in him, but you, you believed in him enough to suffer for him, to sacrifice for him, to make concessions for him, to change your whole life because of him. Imagine how God feels about us. Imagine how you would feel. One of your children leaves home. They forget their cell phone. It's a stormy night. Somehow you get word there's been an accident. You go, What's going on? And you find out some stranger stopped and helped your child and saved them from something horrible. How do you feel towards that stranger? 
wherever you become a Christian and whenever you became a Christian, he, he had these friends that all of a sudden they're not talking to him. Mm-hmm. You know, and, 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 and this, the story that he told in that lesson, it's like that. Whenever you first become a Christian, you, you feel overwhelmed because you can go to heaven. He loves you so much that that love just overpowers you. And then you're a new baby in Christ, and then you start to grow into listening. And then you, you realize, I can't do what I used to do then. That gap is filled with the church. Right. That's why the church is so important. Absolutely. Got to fill that gap with with the Lord's work. <clears throat> and when I say the Lord's work, the Lord's things, the Lord's thinking, the Lord's behavior. And it's all good for you. Where are we here? He said, if he had not done the blank among them, the works among them, those who rejected him, that is, which he did, they would not have blank. They would not have sin. What does that mean? What do the works do? They convict you. The works testify. Here's the evidence. He's from God. It's, it's as if the Holy Spirit showed us in the third chapter. This is what Nicodemus said. And what Nicodemus says is the standard. What Nicodemus said was, we know that you are from God. Why? Because you couldn't do the things you do unless God was with you. He sees it. That's the whole point of them. That's what John will say in the conclusion of this letter. I've written these things to you. Many other signs Jesus did, but I've written these signs to you so that you might believe. That's what this is all about. And so Jesus says, if I hadn't done those works, you wouldn't have any sin, but I did them. And you do, because you don't believe. Chapter 16, 1 through 15. Jesus explains that he has told them these things to keep them from blank. Keep them from stumbling is the word in the New American Standard. They will be blank because those who cast them out, and that kind of goes together, they'll be outcasts. They'll be outcasts because those who cast them out have known neither the blank nor blank. They have not known the Father, they have not known the Son, have known neither the Father nor Jesus, the Son. His purpose in telling them is so that when it all comes to pass, they will blank that he told them. And this is a simple word. They'll remember. Oh. He told us this would happen, didn't he? Just like when he was arrested, put on trial, crucified. They should have said, well, he told us over and over that this is what was going to happen. Why are we surprised? And I'm going to be at the tomb on the third day. I'm going to be waiting for him to come out of there like he said. How many were there waiting? Zero. Even when he did rise... And they were told, what did they say? You're out of your mind, woman. You're crazy. What? (laughs) 
So, and, and he keeps coming back to this. He'll come back to it in this chapter. Did they believe in him? Not a trick question, but it's a complicated question. It's above me. I would have had something much more complicated, much more complex. I'd have made people earn it. You got to work for this. God says, no, I'm going to give it to you. Matter of fact, I'm not just going to give it to you. I'm going to pay for it with my son's life. Yes. You know, he's told them this, they believe it, but yet they have weak faith. Because he asked them, oh, you have little faith. How many times have I had to come and tell you this again and again and again? And yet, they didn't. They believed oh, you're the Messiah, the one that's going to save the world, and we're following you, but how many trickled off to the right or left and went their own way? Yeah. Well, just imagine you're, you're on a football team, you're in high school, and you start your season and you beat the first team 50 to nothing, and then you play the next team and you beat them 50 to nothing. You just keep right on down the line. And oh man, we're gonna whoop this last team, and then, and then during the first quarter, they make a few plays, and and they're up a few points. Maybe they go for the extra point, and now they're they're eight, and you're nothing, and it's like, all of a sudden, all the faith and confidence you had because of what you've seen prior to this, just kind of starts. Well, I don't know if we're gonna be number one now. If we're gonna beat this team because. Uh, and it may be a team you've already played and beat 50 to nothing. But because of these circumstances, you'll go, I don't know now. And we're just like that. God shows us all through our lives the wonder of his presence and his glory and his power. And then something happens, our washing machine breaks down. I don't think the Lord loves me now because my washing machine broke and I've got to get clothes washed. This is not the time for this to happen because of a washing machine. Send the comforter, they might comfort them, that they may be able to stand unless they fall. Right. And, and we have that comforter not in the same miraculous way that they were able to do those things. But remember what Paul wrote in Romans 13. Well, actually 12 and 13. Because in chapter 12, I said Romans, I meant 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 12, he's talking about the miraculous gifts. Spiritual gifts that are miraculous. And he he enumerates those, and he says, this is how you use them. And then he gets to chapter 13, and he he says, as chapter 13's beginning, going from chapter 12 to chapter 13, and and yet I show you a more excellent way. 
And what's chapter 13 all about? It's about love. So you can have all the miracles you want, but there's something more excellent than miracles. It's love. What's the greatest thing in the universe? Love. That's it. Love for God, love for your fellow man, but your love for your fellow man is based on love for yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's nothing greater in the universe than love. That by saying, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's the fruit of God's love. Right. That's the love he wants us to have for one another. And Jesus is saying, I'm commanding you to love one another. And here's the deal, boys. I know I showed you that I love the Father. How? I, I did what the Father said. I've kept his commandments. This is what it's all about. This is the relationship that we have with God. We're not perfect in it. We can't do perfectly because we're creatures of flesh. But we know what we want to do, and he knows what we want to do. He knows what's in our hearts to do. He knows what disappoints us when we fail him and we don't do what we're supposed to we follow the flesh and oh man why did i do that because my flesh wanted to do that and i followed my flesh instead of my spirit i i love lord more than the lord more than my flesh so i i gotta go talk to him about this and that's the thing just keep talking to him about it don i think it's it's hard to trust him when when we want something you know they wanted the kingdom to be what they had been taught had right. to overthrow rome and then if you talk about him dying and all that it's like a they just couldn't get a hold of that to me. It's like, I can't get a hold of this because we're thinking about you being this great king. It doesn't seem like he tells you. But he tells them straight out, this is not what it's all about. Let me tell you exactly. You know, he's, he's trying to bring them along. It's the same way with us. I'll use your washing machine thing. We want things to be our way. We want that washing machine work because we want to wear these clothes. They need to be cleanable. He might be saying, well, I want you to wear one of these other 50 items you've got in your closet that you never wear you know i don't care about all that stuff this is what i want you to do maybe he's trying maybe he tries to reset us you know by saying hey i want to take some things away from you because you know i need to reset you a little bit because you're heading off in this direction and so anyway i think it's hard to believe because we want what we want and we want it to be the way we want it to be and sometimes we want that genie to fix things for us you know and saying, no, right no, it's uh it's going to be my way or the highway, you know? <laughs> faith faith is, is about believing in God when things are not going well. We understand that. But another aspect of it is continuing to believe in God when things are going well. Things are going great. What's that mean? It's all about God, no matter. Well, what if that stops? Because that's what we always, oh, no, things are going too well. This there's got to be something go wrong because that's just the way we, we think. Well, if it does, God's going to be there. He's going to fix it. He knows what's going to go wrong. If something's going to go wrong tomorrow, he already knows it. He's not going to go, oh, no, I wasn't expecting this. So it's about believing all the time when Jesus is in the tomb, when Jesus has resurrected, it's about faith. When your washing machine works and when it doesn't. It's about faith. It's always about faith. And, and faith transcends everything that's going on in this world. You read the papers, you watch the news, you listen to the reports, and it's like, oh. and God says, hey, remember me? The guy in charge? <laughs> don't worry about what you're reading. I don't like it either. But I'm still up here. I'm still in charge. 
And not, I'm, not only am I up here, I'm down there, just like Paul wrote. In him we live and move and have our very being. That's what he told the idol worshipers on Mars Hill, trying to convince them of the true and living God. All right, here we are, down in the last part of the first page. Uh, His purpose in telling them is so that when it all comes to pass, they will remember that he told them. He's preparing them for his blank. His death, his departure, his leaving. And the result of these words was that blank filled their blank. Sorrow filled their hearts. And that should be no surprise to us. Well, that's 14, yeah. Chapter 14. We didn't really get to it last week because... And and he's going to talk about the same thing here. It's going to have a blessing. Uh, Let's see. Verse 3. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. So I've got to go, and I'm going to go prepare a place. That's what I'm going to do, and then I've got to come back. And then he'll get to the same thing in chapter uh, 16 here. It's to your advantage, yes, 16.7, that if I go away for you, I do not go away. Or if I do not go away, the helper who come to you, I can't ever talk today. I will send him to you. That's that's what you're looking for, I think, Preston. It starts in chapter 14, where it says, I'm, I'm going away. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when I go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And here's why it's beneficial. Thanks, Randall. Good eye. Where are we here? Oh, top of the page. What advantage did Jesus promise if he went away? And there it is. Going to send the comfort. Going to send the Holy Spirit. Of what three things does Jesus say the Holy Spirit will convict the world? Sin, righteousness, judgment. What does that mean? Holy Spirit's going to convict, convict the world of sin, of righteousness, of judgment. Because He doesn't give an explanation. He just says this is what the Holy Spirit's going to do. What's that mean to you? How would the Holy Spirit convict the world of sin? In the context of John and what's going on with Jesus and the apostles. Is everybody's opinion of what is sinful the same? No. Remember when Jesus healed that guy with a withered arm? What did he say to him? Put your arm out. And he was healed. And what was Jesus accused of? Accused of sin. Wrong. (laughs) Wrong. Here's really what sin is, the Holy Spirit will tell us. How about righteousness? What's right? See, it's the same thing. You got sin, you got to identify sin, but you also got to identify righteousness. Is it righteous to go through the grain fields on a Sabbath and rub the kernels of wheat in your hand to get yourself something to eat? If it's righteous to pull your ox out of a ditch, why not feed yourself? 
I mean, we're not talking about a banquet, preparing a banquet. We're talking about, if anything, a light snack. Righteousness. What is righteousness? What really is righteous? What really is sinful? And judgment. That I need to be right about what I determine is sinful and what I determine is righteous. Because there's going to be a judgment. I don't know if these are the things the way the Holy Spirit was was looking at it, but when I think about that, those are the kinds of things I think of. Being right about your assessment of what's sinful, being right about your assessment of what's righteous, and knowing that there's going to be a day of judgment, a day of reckoning about what you consider right and wrong. Billy? To know what's righteous about God and what he says is righteous, and to know what the world says is right, because the world is totally different from what God says is right. Absolutely. All the way back in chapter 7, one of the things Jesus said was, judge righteous judgment. Because back in chapter 7, everybody was trying to figure out who he is. Is he the Christ? Is he the Messiah? Is the Messiah, when he comes, is he going to do more miracles than this guy does? No, he's a blasphemer. He makes himself out to be God. He's got a demon. All these different opinions about Jesus. And Jesus says, judge righteous judgment. His words should ring in our ears. Jesus said he had blank, blank more to tell them. And I didn't word that right either. He had many more things to tell them. And so you could write many things more. It's almost like Yoda would talk, I guess. But that they could not blank them at that point. I got more to tell you, but you can't bear it right now. You can't bear it. Later, however, the Holy Spirit would blank them into blank, blank. Guide them into what? Most of the truth. The important truth, all truth. He explicitly said that the Holy Spirit would take of what was blank and disclose it to them. What was his? He is going to take of mine, Jesus said, and declare it or disclose it to you. And he said this blank in verses 14 and 15. So you could read verses 14 and 15 and know what to put in that blank. He said it. Twice, twice, he's making a point. When this Holy Spirit comes to you, when he starts guiding you into all truth, what he's going to be guiding you into is my stuff. This is my teaching, my training, my commands, all his guidance. That's what the Holy Spirit's going to lead you into. All right, 16, 16 to 22. Jesus tried to explain to them that he was... Blank, blank. And this is, these are not words absolutely from the text, but it's the idea. He was going away. But they still did not get it. He said of what was to come that the blank would rejoice and they would blank. The world, the world will rejoice and they would weep. Remember the crowds? Crucify him. Crucify him. Wait, let me let Barabbas go. No, we want Jesus to be crucified. Let Barabbas go. Really? And he's being crucified, and what are the people watching him die on the cross doing? They're taunting him. Hey, he's calling for Elias. Let's Let's sit down here and watch and see if Elias comes to get him. I can't imagine. 
But, he says, their weeping would be turned into joy. He then spoke of a woman in labor and the blank of childbirth. And you ladies have to answer this one. Pain. Pain of childbirth. Reminding them that the anguish would be blank because of the joy over the new child. The anguish would be forgotten. Right. When you sit there and you get tears in your eyes, why? You know, it's because of the joy. You think about when Moses went up on the mountain and he received the law and came back. They couldn't look up on his face because they were close to he was close to God or Stephen. You know, his face glowed, you know, and they stoned him. And you think about just the power of what we're talking about, love. That's God. I mean, he spoke the universe in existence. Just can't even scratch the surface of the understanding and then he's given them all these things and then he's going to bring them into remembrance and, and the Holy Spirit and, and so you understand it like we're students and then, then you talk about the sin so that we would know and you know not everything speaks to the people the same way it's like if I read the scripture and you read the scripture depending on my life experiences it's going to have a different impact and right. so you work that out it even tells us in the Bible to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Study it. Understand it. This is what it's about. And that, that joy that you experience when you become a Christian and knowing that you just cry. You just break into cry. I get, I get like that right now. I think. Yeah. And then, then you see someone that becomes a Christian or goes forward and has, you know, for prayers. And just that power you just can't imagine. So it's leading us to something beyond our imagination, so so glorious and so good and so satisfying, fulfilling. What, what words could you use? Everything we have hoped for in life that's good, if you had it all right now, it wouldn't compare with what we're about to encounter with God. It's all ahead of us. It's all waiting for us. Our name is on it. Better than the day of a birth. We just don't understand. Exactly. But he knows. And he keeps trying to tell us, like he was trying to tell them. And you need to just trust me. Yeah. Yeah. Where you are, that's all you know is where you've been. You have no idea how good things can be. And I'm going to show you. And that's why when we get to the 17th chapter, we'll read about Jesus talking to his father in his prayer and said, I want to show them the glory I had with you before the world began. Jesus has things he wants to show us. He wants us to see that glory for ourselves. I'm impressed that he wants to do that for us. If you don't care about somebody, you don't want to show them your vacation pictures. You only... Talk to people about those things that are important to you if those people mean something to you. So, and this ain't no vacation. This is, <laughs> this is a reality of glorious eternity. All right, where are we here? Uh, uh, da, 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 da. Jesus then promised that blank, blank would take their blank away from them. No one will take your 
joy. I'm providing you with joy to the fullest and nobody's taken it away. All right, chapter 16, 23 to 33, when Jesus says that day, what do you believe he means? And because we're short on time, you look at the context, I think he's talking about the day that they see him resurrected from the dead. And that day, you'll understand. What does Jesus tell the apostles to do that their joy might be made full? In this context, he says, ask anything, how? In my name. You talk to the Father and you say, Lord, in the name of your Son, I'm asking for this. And just just knowing to think like that is almost enough to prevent us from asking for stupid things. Lord, in the name of your Son, I sure would like a Cadillac. Really? You're talking to me about my son, and you're going to use that to manipulate me to give you something? No, that won't work. That's not faith. That's something else. Why does Jesus say the Father loves them? Does the Father love Jesus? They love Jesus. You love me, so my Father loves you. That's the way it works with us, isn't it? Somebody loves our children. You meet somebody that your kids have made a relationship with, and you know these be good people that love your kids. I love them. You don't have to tell me anything else. You already love them. What question does Jesus ask the apostles when they confirm that they believe he came from God? Do you now believe? Why is he asking that? Because he knows what's going to happen in the garden. What are they going to do in the garden? They're going to run. The sheep are going to be scattered. Jesus tells them the hour is coming for them to be blank from him. Oh, from, well, scattered from him. But that he is not blank, alone. You're going to run away from me, but I won't be alone. He then says that he's told them these things so that in him they might have peace. Peace. You're going to run away. Don't worry about it. You believe in God, believe also in me. Have peace. You're going to deny me three times before the cock crows. It's okay. You're going to have peace. The world's going to give you tribulation. That's the next one. They can have peace even though in the world they will have tribulation. Because Jesus has blanked the world. Overcome the world. We actually finished a worksheet. Do you believe that? That doesn't mean we finished 16 and 15 and 16. We just kind of touched the hem of the garment. But at least we got through the worksheet. Appreciate you all.